0: Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, we are back again with Mr. Bill Meyer, who is the head guy, the big shot over at Kingdom Workers. Um, And we've talked about, so far we've talked about Kingdom Workers, uh, which you'll hear, hear about. It'll be on another podcast episode. Look for it. Uh, we've talked a lot about your journey to where you are now as the head of Kingdom Workers and your mission work in Mal- Malawi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Malawi. Yes. And uh, leadership and, and that kind of stuff. So now I want to talk about masculinity. That's what the, that's what it's all about. Um, that's what, I mean, we're men. So uh, we're men serving in uh, roles in, in the church and in his kingdom. Uh, so it's very important that we are strong Christian men. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, when I think of masculinity... Um, one of the first people that pops into my head is my grandfather, um, and he is contemporaries with your father. That's right. Uh, and they've known each other for a long time. There's a lot of green tractors on your dad's farm, at least as far as I remember. Yes, there are. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it's just like they're very similar men. So I, um, Let's just talk about your dad a little bit, if, if that's cool. You want to introduce your dad?
1: Well, uh, I'll, uh, yeah, my dad's name is Wilfred, Wilfred Meyer, and uh, he's a farmer farmer through and through he spent some time in the army and all he ever wanted to do was farm and he got his chance and uh he's retired from farming now he's going to turn 78 this year
0: is it a family farm
1: uh no this farm was acquired when uh my dad was probably wait i could probably do the math here he was 36 when we got on this farm but he he had been farming with his dad uh before that uh while he was working at a at IH Huff a factory manufacturing down in Libertyville, uh, but but I, I you know I, I could tell a, a story right away about your dad and my dad. Yeah. Uh, that uh, so this goes back to 1974, 1975, and uh, our 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 families were members of the same uh, church. Yeah. Just this is my grandfather. Yes, yeah, your grandpa. That's right. Yeah. Your grandpa. Sorry, yeah. <laughs>
0: no, I just we. I've talked about my dad quite a grandpa, bit, so I didn't want to yeah, confuse anybody. My dad,
1: Charlie's grandpa. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sorry to make you feel old, but <laughs> yeah, no, but it's
1: true. I I got to get that get that right. So my dad, Charlie's grandpa, uh, they were both young men with mm-hmm. young families, and they were at the same church. And there was a few other young families with young men, young dads, husbands that were there and this this church uh was sort of a country church in a in a small town but the town was growing mm-hmm. and uh uh your grandpa my dad and and some of these other families were strong believers in christian education mm-hmm. real strong believers in christian education and and were uh, you know between these families there was quite a few kids and and they were trying to convince the church to start a christian day school and it you know, it didn't happen. Uh, and ultimately they, they tried for a couple of years in a row and some of the, the, the older guys in the congregation just felt like, you know what, we pay, we pay taxes, you know, or we, we pay a lot of property taxes and that goes to this, this big, beautiful public school across the street from the church. And, uh, that's where our kids should all go. So end of story as far as that little church was concerned. However, uh, your grandpa my dad and a few other dads uh said you know what we we can do better than this and they went to a church a little bit further away another 10 15 miles down the road depending upon what part of the town uh each of these families lived where that church was willing to start a christian day school and they had already started one and then they started kindergarten right about that time And those four families, the dads of that four family, of those four families, uh, served as church councilmen, um, school board members, church presidents, and school board presidents for the next 20 years as that other church went from a couple hundred members to nearly a 1,000 members (laughs) and provided a huge amount of leadership in that other church. Mm. Well, the church they left still is almost exactly the same right and so I, I commend your grandpa my dad and those other dads for making that decision and not just for making that decision but then following through and there's most of them are still there today mm-hmm. as as anchors to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good kind of, I should say, foundation, not anchor. <laughs> uh, but in any case, some of the younger members probably think of them as anchors now, because they're trying to move to a different direction. Mm-hmm. But they provide a huge amount of, of stability and leadership to that church, and uh, and strength as it served more and more people, right. and and was blessed with this kind of growth. So so anyway, they I just think that they they share that story. I don't think they ever talk about it, but I. I I've recognized it, and I think it's really cool.
0: Well, and and like you said, well, first of all, when you say that that church is pretty much the same, like they you walk in, they still have a, I mean, I think it's really cool, but they literally on the wall still have um, a list of service members from World War II hanging on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, like it's that kind of old country church. Um, Whereas the new one, like they've got a beautiful new building, um, and this like the school building that they built, many of them with their own hands still exists and still is a school building that they use. Um, And But so that reminded me of a a meeting I was told about. Obviously, I wasn't there. I'm not a member there anymore. But I was told about a meeting that they were having and talking about building a new school uh, on that property. And and the statement was made, and you look at the last three generations of this church. Like one generation started the church and built the old building. The next generation, their project, they got together and said, we need a school. And they made a school, and it made it happen. The next generation came, and their pet project was this church building and just the idea of building upon generations, and all that started, all that momentum started, like you said, with those stronger, older men. Well, at the time, they weren't older men, but they are now. Yeah. Those strong-willed, yeah. <laughs> strong-minded, yeah. dedicated men who walked in and said, this is going to make a difference for generations to come, and they were right, and they're still reaping the benefits. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome.
1: No, and you're right. They they got involved personally. When you just said using their old hands, their own hands, uh, I also remember when they they bought a used pipe organ, and uh, <laughs> your grandpa and my dad were two of the people who personally yeah. uh, re- refurbished the the all of the pipes. Yep. Um, and it was I mean it was a huge amount. It was probably know, twenty or thirty people involved, mm-hmm. going in after work at the end of the day for two or three hours in the evening working on these pipes, re- replacing. All the, all the little electric switches and everything. Was, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of ownership and a lot of leadership yeah. went into that.
0: Yeah, ownership is, is definitely the right word for it. Just saying, like, this is a need, and I'm going to fill that. And we talked about that a little bit when we were talking about leadership earlier, too. It's like seeing the need and making sure that you are equipping yourself to address it. It's like these guys aren't organ kind of like they they, are, they hardly know what the organs playing sometimes they got a little bit of training <laughs> yep just a little bit of training and a whole lot of love and a whole lot of work yeah and like I we both went to that school um and then shoreland later on like that was I mean that was more my other grandfather was on that founding board yeah and uh like I say we both have been blessed through that education and you think about just the, inc- the just the thousands and thousands if not even more than that of people that have been influenced by couple, you know, decisions and just being stubborn enough even, frankly, sometimes to say, nope, this is the way it's going to be done, or this is what we need to do, and, and following through and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So to, to lead in a little bit further with that, um, where do you think that comes from?
1: Yeah, where does that come from? Uh, I, you know, simply recognizing the the priorities that, that, that God has set for us, you know, um, when, whether whether we're in the context of being a husband or the context of being a father or being in the context of an active church member uh, there's always priorities that, that we need to identify and sometimes it's hard to when you when you you start to recognize well if i actually really follow this priority that's going to it's going to cause some pain for somebody else but you got to do it yeah you got to do it it's not in, in the case of, of these men You know, going to a different a different church at at that time, it was sort of a big deal because there were other family members still at the one church or the other, and and uh, but but they did it, and then and then they uh, they were committed when they did it. They didn't half heartedly do it. They poured themselves into the new place, and uh, and that new place was blessed over and over again by the Lord. So uh, I, I. I just, I just think it's recognizing the role that they had as, as a husband and a, and a father, specifically, and then, and then once they got there, recognizing their role as a, uh, as a, as a member of this new church, that they were owners of the ministry and they needed to, to help it go.
0: Yeah, all right, cool. And that segues really nicely into into fatherhood too. So let's talk about your dad, um, more. Yeah. We already are talking about your Dad, but uh, let's talk about like the farm. So you grew up on a farm. Were you, do you
1: remember moving on to the farm, or did that happen before you were born? or? No, I, I remember moving on the farm. We we lived on uh, seven acres with uh, a small house along Highway 45 in Bristol, just mm-hmm. a couple miles from the farm, but also a couple miles from my grandpa's farm. And so that seven acres had a had a field, and we had a chicken house, and we had chickens, and and, and, it, and grandpa's farm was being farmed, and so we were, were farming in that way. And so it was uh, um, 75 to 76 when we moved to the the farm farm that my parents were the, the farmhouse they live in now. Um, so yeah, I remember that really well. And uh, in, in the other podcast, I talked about a fire, you know, and I, which was, we had been there for a while, but it was literally the day after the closing that the fire the final closing oh. when the fire <laughs> oh, broke out um so that that was pretty traumatic and and so so you know the uh you know, one memory of my dad was that night of that fire that i didn't share on the other podcast uh, i was doing my third grade math homework and my orange math book on the kitchen floor and a, after dinner and my dad had gone had, had finished dinner and gone back out to the granary to make some some bins for mixing feed Uh, and my mom was going to ladies aid and she stepped out the back door of the house and screamed Wilfred fire and my dad came running and he said take the kids to my parents and I'm going to get Glenn and we're going to get the pigs out of the barns and and so then I didn't see him till till the next till the next day but that night uh, he and the hired man you know went through the barns chasing the pigs out of their their pens but they couldn't chase them out of the barn especially the small ones mm-hmm. it was just too crazy uh but they got all the all the herd pigs the the breeding stock out and at a safe distance and and my dad said they were watching for smoke coming down the ventilation from the mow down and and that would they would keep moving on so they wouldn't put themselves in danger mm-hmm wouldn't put themselves in danger in quotation marks you're in a burning <laughs> barn um, but then at the very end of the barn there was this big old uh herd boar uh, and whose name i didn't make this up is mr boner he he was uh he he would not he would not get there was a, a little bit of a cement ledge and my dad was at that ledge and was trying to move the the pig and the pig got mad at him and turned around and swung and just sent my dad flying (laughs) and as he went flying he felt the heat this huge massive barn door come down and he felt the breeze of it down the back of his head and the back in his back and he said he he and and it was sort of like the pig was on the one corner of where the barn door fell and my dad was over at the other end but he he would have gotten smashed under the door and and that that pig Saved him. So, so, uh, so my dad promised that that pig was going to die a natural death. He was not going to market, and he, which he did. He died a natural That's death awesome. on the farm. Uh, so it sounds like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But, you know, and I, and I remember the next day, uh, Pastor Gruen being out at the farm mm-hmm. and, um, just standing on the grass with my dad and a few of the other men that were around. And they, they just had a, you know, a devotion, a devotional reading and a prayer that, you know, no, no human lives were lost. Uh, and, uh, and, and for that, we were grateful and, and grateful also for our faith. And even in that moment, uh, ultimately we're grateful for all that Jesus has done, his grace and his love. And so I remember, I remember that really well too, you know, that, that, that there was, um, you know, we had a good church family and, uh, and a dad that was happy to, you know, pause from that to, you know, praise God, you know, so yeah, that's, that's, those are some of the, some of the big, I mean, that obviously that fire is a big traumatic thing, but, uh, yeah, other stuff from, from the farm, uh, you you know, sometimes my dad sort of just, when it came to farm stuff, he sort of treated me like a hired man. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, that I picked up from my dad that, for better or worse. And and actually if I was, it, it, for me, it's probably better, but for the people that work for me, it's probably worse.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. When when he would tell me something, he would expect me to know it and remember it. Right. And, and you, and, and I really only should need to be told something once. And if I needed to be told twice, that was one time too many. And, uh, and that's how we operated like on the farm. This is how you do it. And you you know if you go visit a different farm there's a rule that you don't go walk out in the, in the barn, you go straight down to the basement where the uh, laundry is, and you take off your clothes and you leave it there you don 't leave it out because there's diseases that pigs are very susceptible to disease mm. and if uh, and one time i didn 't do that, and that was <laughs> a big deal um, I, yeah. I didn't go into the barn, but I actually went to a different part of the house and 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 the reason I say that's for better or worse you know, for me i, I I think because of my dad uh I became in some contexts very coachable uh when I played basketball i mean I know my my coaches told me that I was very coachable they could tell me to do something mm-hmm. once and i would i would figure i would do it mm-hmm. i would I would figure it out and in other cases in the navy for example i was I was pretty solid because they only had to tell me something once, and that's the <laughs> way I would do it right um the reason it's bad is uh sometimes in my own family and then also here at kingdom workers i feel like if i tell if i say something once i shouldn't ever have to say it ever again because <laughs> that's the way i was <laughs> right. raised and most of us don't work that way and and through experience and listening to my coworkers uh but also some reading i've learned that repetition is actually really really good that <laughs> a, a person in any of us that are working with other people the most important things we should repeat them all the time over and over and over again mm-hmm. and now the other application of that is look at scripture and what did, what, what did Moses share with the Israelites uh, when he gave them God's instructions and what, what did God want everyone to do he wanted them to write them on their doorposts and and put them on their their foreheads or their wrists or every you know Put these up everywhere so that you see them and remember them all the time. The Lord demanded repetition mm-hmm. because we're humans and we forget stuff. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so anyway, I uh, you got you got the way God does stuff, and then you got the way my dad does stuff, and it's a little bit different, but they both get stuff done. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> well, even to continue
0: with that, when like, you think about like the way the law is written in the Old Testament, if you ever read uh, Leviticus and Numbers, and it's yes, like. I have. It's, it's sometimes word for word repeated. So like if this happens, do this, this, and this. Yep. And then if this happens, do this little thing different and then do this, this, and it's you know, just so repetitive. Yep. Um, but you know, exactly, exactly why, you know, yep. he wants to hammer something home. This yep. is how you do it. Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, so your dad definitely, I would say is part of a dying breed or at least a, an endangered breed um, <laughs> in our, in our society. Like you said, just the kind of man that gets just gets things done. Yep. Um. And uh, you know, isn't going to grumble about it, isn't going to complain about it. It's not a big deal to go and do what you do. You know, you wake up in the morning, and you have things to do. Yeah. Um. And I guess I don't really know where where I'm going with that. I just I <laughs> want to talk about that a little bit. It's like looking at my own generation. Yeah. You know, it was just like you expect a cookie every yep. time you wake up and make your bed. You know, and yeah, it wasn't always that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd say, you know, some of the again, the the farm applications and some people say, well, this is farm. And some people would say, no, this is uh, masculinity or or blue collar or or blue collar. Yeah. yeah. But uh, my dad could fix anything. He had to. Uh, He had a he had a little farm workshop with a nice vice and a. Outstanding anvil and a welder and a torch, and just uh, a ton of hand tools, and yeah, you, you just fixed them. Something breaks, you, you're. And that that was, that, that was the other thing that uh, uh, my dad, that I learned and saw in my dad or from my dad, and this actually took him a while to learn because I mean he took he told me. Uh, it became easier as he got older to know that he was not in control of the weather mm. and he was not in control of when something chose to broke to break I mean when something <laughs> when something got broke when something when something chose to break it, it just it was broken well and that's and
0: a big deal in your farming too no oh, you're you just, farming yeah. yeah
1: you you you, you want to get your 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 corn in, in in early May and your beans in right away and sometimes you want to get stuff in in April and you're waiting for the weather to break so you get some dry days and you run out there and then you know hydraulic hose on the tractor blows out or um you know one time actually the little axle on on our field cultivator broke while i was running it and uh it, you know for, for many years my dad liked it when i was around because whenever something broke at least he could blame it on me <laughs> and that just made it easier and and then he then I was gone that became a little bit harder because he was the only <laughs> one around and then he came to the conclusion that sometimes things just break uh, but but as he you know as, as he as, as I became an adult and he became an older adult uh, you know there were times when I would have expected him to work th- through the night or to to get out there early 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 and he was ha- having a it's more of a a leisurely relaxed breakfast and 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 he said you know what i i'm just i'm not going to kill myself to get all this stuff done you know when there's you know we're still going to make hay when the sun shines you know work in the field when 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 the the ground is dry but but i'm just not going to kill myself over it anymore you know there's yeah yeah, we pray and god gives us what he gives us and we make the best of it but we're not going to get anxious over it or uh you know, try to control the things we can't control and uh, I'm not going to work myself into the ground anymore either. Um, uh, you know, so, so anyway, I thought that was, uh, I, I guess uh, m- some moderation that, that he acquired later on that, um, you know, maybe, maybe wasn't quite as hard charging later on. And some people say that's just because when you get older, there's less testosterone, you know, <laughs> but it, it may be physiologically that's true, but the bottom line is there's Um, that's how wisdom is acquired Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so again it's another observation from my
0: dad absolutely cool I just I always appreciate you know the conversations with with him and my grandfather especially if we can get them together and talking about something and just yeah it's cool always something to learn from listen to older men they know
1: well you know something about your grandpa's there's a lot of generosity that can be learned there too absolutely and again going back to the to the fire. Um, your, your, grandpa owned an implement dealership, a John Deere implement dealership. And so when my, my dad lost all of his, a lot of his machinery, most of his machinery. And, and, and so, uh, your grandpa said, what do you need? You know, and, uh, there's a tractor and a baler out baling corn stalks, you know, the, the next, the next morning because Mm -hmm. we needed bedding for the, and that my dad didn't own any of that, that all came off of the, the lot at Schmidt implement. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and and that's not just, um, my dad. I know that your grandpa did that for a lot of people that, that counted on Schmidt implement, you know, for, for their work. Yeah. So there's, there's, uh, I mean, that's another thing that I, and, and I've seen it in my dad now too, that generosity that, that your grandpa displayed then and still does, uh, my dad loves giving gifts he just loves it and and I don't know if it's if, 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 if it's just his nature if you know he's maybe he's a gift giver you know love languages I'm not certain if that's the case but I, I think it also may have to do with the fact that um, the house we were we were cash poor mm-hmm. you know the, we had this, this this land you know and there's a lot of value in a farm but you don't have any cash because all the cash is tied up and you're not making a lot of money you're just keeping it going, keeping it going. And until the last few years he farmed when all of the commodity prices went really, really high, uh, he finally, he finally made some money and then he <laughs> sold the farm and he loves being generous. Uh, I, I think, I think the, the people at church know it. Uh, people at kingdom workers know it. Uh, everyone in our family knows it. And, uh, and again, he, you know, God gave him a lot. So he, feels part of his role is to be generous with everything he's he's gotten and uh and he is and that's really cruel and and it's something that uh you know i try to be generous i mean even even as simple as a tip if i when i'm if if i'm at if i'm at a restaurant uh you know there i think in the reality what's the difference between a six dollar tip and a ten dollar tip to me it's it's four bucks You know, it's a Starbucks coffee, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's the difference to a waitress between or a waiter who gets six bucks or gets ten bucks? Mm -hmm. I, 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 it's not the money. It's the oh, cool, they were nice to me. That's (laughs) that's that's what they get, and that's a really good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, And you, while you were talking, I was kind of thinking about uh, when I was working at the shop, and we would get equipment ready for you know rentals, or you know they'd go. People would use the equipment, demos or whatever. And sometimes they were called demos and they weren't, it was, was, you know, like you were saying, like it was somebody just needed to use the equipment. Um, But uh, there was, so anytime, if it was going to the tractor pull or one of the races or a a fair or something like that, there'd always be a big old Schmidt Implement logo on the side of it. Um, But then every once in a while he'd say, you know, go get this ready for pickup or whatever. And say, will you sell it? No, no, he's just going to use it. He say, "Do you want a Schmidt implement logo on the side?" And he, he wouldn't say anything. He just quietly shake his head. No. And he knew yeah. that was like and he wasn't gonna tell you. Yeah. Like, there, you had no clue where it was going. You had no clue why. Sometimes he'd like enlighten you a little bit or whatever. But it you was know, just that generosity. Like nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to you know. Nope. This is I'm not making any money off of this. Uh, this yep, is this what needs to be done. This is just
1: what you do. Good.
0: All right, let's talk about you. Yeah. So, I've heard some stories <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll we we'll use the word "rascal is that an appropriate word?
1: I don't know it depends on uh, which <laughs> stories he <you> heard
0: <laughs> um so uh, not always an easy young man to work with is what I heard, uh, particularly middle school high
1: school days. Would you agree with that yeah i i i was not yeah I was not a very good student <laughs> and uh occasionally did stuff even out of class that that not many people were proud of <laughs> <laughs> i remember your, i remember
0: your mom talking once about the only way she got you to cut your hair was to convince the basketball coach to make the make the dress code include a haircut or something like that <laughs>
1: Yeah, my my hair. I had one of those uh, really cool mullets in high school. So <laughs>
0: really cool. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining. So the part of the scene of this this uh, you walking down the stairs on Saturday morning, and there's a naval officer sitting in the kitchen waiting for you. You've got this mullet. Yeah, <laughs> sitting at the table slouching a little bit. I don't know. But uh, so <laughs> you um, you talked a little bit about the navy in in, in the other episode. Um, I just I'm interested in a, um, we in in our society right now. I don't think we do a good job. This is my personal opinion. I don't think we do a good job raising boys. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we do. I think we stifle the life out of them. I think we lock them in classrooms and make them sit in desks and shut up and be quiet and you let know, him, be let him, nice. Let them play know? video games. <laughs> yeah, let them play video like just not things that they should be like. There aren't a lot of boys. You know running around a neighborhood and breaking windows and getting in trouble the right way, you know, skin and so, knees and
1: so I have a confession to make before you go any further. Uh, my high score on Pac-Man is one hundred and twenty three
0: thousand seven hundred and sixty yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> that, See, I'm not a big Pac-Man guy, but that sounds very impressive
1: <laughs> yeah so that was that was th- in the arcade game that's not the home video or anything. Awesome. yeah that was that was a fun day, so yeah cool.
0: <laughs> um so i uh, just talking about boys um you had an all american boyhood um i would i would argue and uh you know definitely by most accounts a, a bit of a rascal uh not always not always easy to control not you know the not a yes man if that makes sense as you were a kid and so mm. you want to talk about that like why do you think you were that way was it something you were born with was it the environment like what you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm what yeah. I'm getting at? Yeah,
1: I, I, I think uh I, I guess part of my part of my makeup is I always see the possibilities, <laughs> good good or bad. Right. You know, and uh and 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 we all like to have fun. I I guess maybe I just like really, really like to have fun. Um uh, <laughs> but but growing up on the farm, you do have a lot of freedom because mm-hmm. your parents aren't around. So you just do stuff and as long as the work gets done uh you know go ahead and goof off play build stuff whatever right and uh and then so you y- you get that gets that gets into your blood and then you're in school and they just want you to do this 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 and mm-hmm. this and then and you get your work done and you got like 10 minutes to do nothing well if you're at home you'd go build something Well, if you're at school you can't do anything <laughs> you're not supposed to do anything yeah. But, a, your book and but read. yeah, but a kid like me is like, yeah, I just read all that. And I'm done. I, I want to <laughs> go goof off. And so yeah. I would goof off and then I'd get in trouble. Uh, and uh, and so it just it, it I, I think that's what it, I think it's I think it's that simple uh, in some respects. Uh, you know, when um, there's a couple things that, that I think I can reflect on from my time in the Navy were where. I learned a little bit more about maturity and, and decision-making and and getting along. Um, I've always enjoyed getting along with pretty much everybody I I meet, but when my last two years in the Navy, I was on a submarine. So there you're locked in a steel tube, 350 feet long with 110 other guys. Mm -hmm. And it, so there's a lot of testosterone in there and it's cooped up. (laughs) And, And there were times that we were underwater, uh, three different times for 35 days where you don't even oh. come up. And so, so again, you, you gotta, you gotta get along. And they, they do do some screening to make sure that the people that end up on submarines, uh, are unlikely to go crazy and mm. uh, hurt somebody. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but there, so, so that's a place where I really did learn to get along with everybody, mm-hmm. uh, cause you had to. And there was no one else to get along with. You see the same people every day, all day, for, for months at a time. Uh, and, I, and so I learned a lot there. But also one other thing that somebody said to me, a guy named Wade Eckler, uh, we taught together up in upstate New York. And we had just worked a whole week of night shift, And it was the, the, the last morning we were, we were off and we had gotten bagels. And we were eating bagels and... and and just talking about what we were going to do when we were going to get out of the Navy. And he was going to go to engineering school and be an engineer. And he said, so what would you do, Bill? What do you, What are you going to do? That's mm-hmm. what he said. He said, what are you going to do when you get out? And, uh, and he said, and I said to him, I said, well, you know, if I could do absolutely anything, like just choose anything, I'd be a division one basketball coach. That's what I want. That's what I yeah. liked. That's what I'd like to do. And he looked at me and he's like, why would you say it that way? And, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, if that's what you want to do, why don't you just go do it? And, uh, and I, you know, and I, and I really thought, I still remember that. I don't know how many years ago that was. It was probably 1989 or 1990. Uh, I was like, dang, Wade, you're right. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it is. I want to do, I, I should just go do it. If I wanted to be a division one basketball coach, then that's, that's what I should do. I should go get a job. At as a go to, go to college, get a job as a graduate assistant and get into it and be that. Yeah. And the reality is we, 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 uh, especially in America and especially where we grow up in two parent homes, uh, have access to education And just access to the economy and school, we literally can do anything, and so um, that 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 that's an advantage that 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 God that God gave me. But and but now I'm I'm a guy, I got to use it. Yeah, you know I, I I have to to not recognize that I could do almost anything would be a waste and a shame of everything that my parents gave me and what God has put around me. So so I need to do that. And I need to be intentional and and shoot for that thing, whatever it is that I that I believe we should do. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes that's why uh, I, I might be good at be envisioning something and then actually going and doing it. You know, I can envision, all right, I think we should go and do this. And then we go, we just we rally the troops and we go do it yeah um you know not everyone in the world was was born with in in a in a family or context or a community with the same socioeconomic advantages mm-hmm. uh and so that's another reason why i should regard mine as precious and and take full advantage of the opportunities god gives me uh, but but in the meantime if if uh you know, part of part of being a man is recognizing, all right, this is my situation, and now, I I, I really need to maximize it, whatever it is, just maximize it. Cool.
0: Do you, would you do you think there was like a switch at some point, where it's like, that you know you are taking that path, or, you know, is it something that happened gradually?
1: No. Well, I, I think I think there was a switch that time when when my friend Wade said, well, if that's what you want to do, why don't you just do it? Mm -hmm. That was a switch where I hadn't really thought of the world that way that, yeah, I could just go do anything. Um, You know, and and another thing about, about my dad, and I think this is a way that, you know, he took all pressure off of me. And some of us might have pressure to be successful. Some of us might not. But he, uh, I was down at Navy's, the Navy's nuclear power school in Orlando and we, had, I was home for Christmas and we drove back down to Orlando and my little Mercury LN7 and my dad rode with me and, uh, visited my grandma and grandpa who were, who were down there. And, and back in those days, there was no security at the airport. You could walk up right to the gate <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And so I took him to, uh, to the airport so that he could leave and walked right up to the gate with him when he was getting on the, the plane and, uh and he had just seen the base and everything that was going on and met a few people in the navy that I were in my class and and he said bill i'd be proud of you if you were digging ditches and and i was like well, you know thanks dad you know cool <laughs> i mean i i'm i'm in the navy's nuclear power program which which is a lot of hard work and it's cool but it's really nice to know that that means that you're proud of me now but you're not proud of me just because it's a Navy nuclear power program. Mm -hmm. You're proud of me because I'm your son and I'm, and I'm doing something that is productive in some way. And that's all he wanted. He just wanted me to be productive Mm -hmm. and to, to go do, to go do something productive, you know, use my gifts. So, so anyway, that, that was also a a night, that was a moment that I remember, um, you know, just, just feeling, being formative, Mm -hmm. Awesome.
0: So this is this is along the same strain here, um, probably a pretty similar answer. But if you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, spend five minutes with him, talk to him, what would you say?
1: Yeah, I don't know if you're going to have to edit this out, Charlie, <laughs> but I know what I would say. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things that it, it was. this is actually sort of an easy question for me. I would say to my 18-year-old self, I'd, I'd look him in the eye and, I, and I'd say, look, I, I'm you. And uh, God's blessed me, us, you, in, in just incredible ways with incredible opportunities. Um, but there's all these kinds of risks out there. Um, but, but the one that I want you, 18-year-old Bill, to remember and to always avoid is no matter what's in front of you, absolutely positively wait until you are married before you ever have sex. And you know, God says, you know, if, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, well, that that's a real thing. But if if that means, uh, if you drink four drinks, you're more likely to do something stupid if there's women around. Then don't drink four drinks if there's women around. If there's a group of friends that you know hang out with a group of girls that that would put you at risk for that, then just don't do it. And when you you know, no matter who you meet and when you date or how you date, just don't put yourself in that situation because the uh, the risk and the harm that can be caused to so many people by messing that up, it isn't worth it. It's not worth it. Just wait. That's what I tell them.
0: Simply stated, well said. It's a message that needs to be heard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, last question then. What is Christian manhood? What makes a Christian man?
1: Uh what is Christian manhood? I I mean, one of my, and there's all kinds of different images that that, that could be used. Uh, I I think one of the fun ones for me is, is just the armor of God. Now, you know, when that, the armor of God in Ephesians, that's not necessarily supposed to be gender specific. That's for, for everybody. But, but for me, uh, if you're, if you're going to be a man of God or a woman of God, but right now we're talking about a man of God, a Christian man. Mm -hmm. It starts with that. Um, Don't just read your Bible, know your Bible um, and apply the Bible in your lives. Uh, There's so much great instruction and application in there telling us how to care for our families, Mm -hmm. uh, how to care for our spouse, um, how to, to, do what God wants, to, how to be the hands and feet of God, mm-hmm. um, that you know, put on that armor and think of it as armor. Uh, and you know, that's, that's a masculine picture for masculine men that ties them to uh, the ultimate source of strength. I mean, uh, we, we associate uh, strength with masculinity. Mm-hmm. What, what stronger sources are in this world than God's word? So f- fill yourself up and then, but just do what it says do what it says uh you know the, a lot of people talk about um you know building 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 the house on shifting sand or building yeah. it on rock and they say you build your house on the rock and that's jesus or that's god's word is the rock and and the sand is 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 something else it's not god's word but read it a little bit more closely the house on sand is the guy that read god's word too but he didn't use it the difference between the sand and the rock is the, is the doing of what God's word says. So having God's word doesn't put you on the rock. Doing what God's word says, that puts you on the rock. So in every case, um, having a... Some people talk about priorities where, well, God is first, and then your spouse, and then your kids, and then your vocation or your work or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't like to say that. I, I like to say, well, God, God encompasses all of it. So that that's just all of it. You don't it isn't that God is first. God is just all of it. And mm-hmm. if you're a Christian man, you got to recognize that that God is all of it. So so yeah, I'm gonna put my 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 spouse first in my in my human relationships, but God is the basis of that relationship. Next priority is my kids, but God is the basis for that relationship. And then mm-hmm. I've got my vocation, my friends, my congregation, all those kinds of things, but God is the basis for all of that. So uh, yeah, I, I yeah. I, I wish I, um, I, I. The the only other thing that I would say is is guys do need to step up and be leaders, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, only guys should be leaders. Uh, I, I think there's leadership opportunities that are extremely important for everybody, uh, but when a guy in his home stops bringing everybody to the table to to pray Mm -hmm. or allows their kids to do something a little bit off that Mm -hmm. yeah okay whatever it's it'll be okay this time yeah uh you're just putting your entire family at risk because you don't have enough balls to stand up and say you know what i know you're going to be ticked at me but you're not going to their house tonight Mm-hmm. Because we just don't know enough about that situation, and I know mm-hmm. you're mad, and I'd rather have you mad at me than take that risk. So you're staying home. Yeah, and that's that's the dad's role. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you're not, it's not about hurting yourself. It's about letting other people around you become hurt.
0: Very nice. Thank you for your time. Thank you again for I meet with me. Has good. Yeah. I appreciate it. I love it.
1: Well, it's fun, Charlie. God bless this work, this podcast. I, I, I can tell you're having a blast. <laughs> I hope the listeners enjoy it as well. Not just this, but all the other ones you've made. So, uh, yeah, God If bless. somebody wanted to get a
0: hold of you, how, how how would they do that?
1: Um, my email at Kingdom Workers is b-m-e-i-e-r at kingdomworkers.com. Awesome. Cool. Go check out
0: Kingdom Workers. Keep following us on the Grid Up podcast and have a good... Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach That's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H At gmail.com Please leave a 5 star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes The more 4 and 5 star ratings we receive The more people we will reach on iTunes Because iTunes will boost us more Thank you to Seth Pommier for our podcast art And thank you to you, the listener Because without you This podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.